This is Colin Reed with Project Spurs, and today I'm going to be talking about what a rebuild might look like for the San Antonio Spurs. So currently the Spurs are number 11th in the West and three and a half games out of the playoff race with only a handful of games, 25, 26 games remaining. It could be difficult for the Spurs to get back into the playoffs while there is still a chance it's looking like this might be the first year in 23 years that the Spurs miss the playoffs. So if they miss the playoffs and they decide the current roster probably isn't good enough to compete for a playoff spot next year, what do they do and what does their offseason start to consist of that kind of pushes them towards a rebuilding team? Well, first, I think the question that they need to, to examine and what they need to look at interiorly is, do they have a player on the team right now who could be a number one option on a championship team? Do they believe that any of their players will develop into that that caliber of player? And if the answer is no, then it's going to be a much longer rebuild. If they do believe they have that player on their roster, then what they need to do is go get young players who fit around whatever player they think will become that number one option. And the rebuild will be for a season or two, but it'd be much quicker in that scenario. If they don't believe they have that player on their roster, they will really need to look at getting high draft position so that they can maybe draft that player. Now this season, everything that I've heard up to this point is that the draft isn't looking particularly strong. And if the season ended today, the Spurs would have a 7.1% chance at a top four overall pick. If they don't get that, they would stay at number 12 if the season ended today. The New Orleans Pelicans and the Portland Trailblazers have a 4.8% chance of jumping into the top four and a 2.4% chance of jumping into the top four respectively. So doing the quick math off the top of my head, there's actually a greater chance that the Spurs would fall down in the rankings instead of going up into the top four. They have a 7.2% chance if either one of the New Orleans Pelicans or Portland Trailblazers jump into the top four, their draft pick would fall down to 13 or 14 if one or both of them made it in, according to tankathon.com's draft rankings. So right now, it's it's looking like they're going to have a pick that's probably after 10 in the 11, 12, uh, maybe 13, 14 range. And there are good players that have picked in this range before. But most of the time, those franchise-changing players are going to be at the very front of the lottery. You're one, two, three, especially, or really the high level. So if the Spurs feel like they need to go out and get another high-level, franchise-level player to put around the young pieces they have right now, the best way they're going to do it is through the draft, and they're going to need a really high draft pick to do it. I actually am wondering if the young players that the Spurs have now, as they're developing, if they're too good for the Spurs to get a really high draft pick. Maybe they won't make the playoffs next year or or the year after or something like that, but is a core of DeJounte Murray, Derek White, and Lonnie Walker the fourth really going to get you the number one pick in the draft or the number two or three pick in the draft? Those players have developed to the point where they're going to be good enough that you're probably going to be picking in the late lottery even if you don't make the playoffs the next couple years or at least the mid-lottery. So now you're kind of in this strange place where you have these players who are reaching the end of their initial rookie deal. Maybe they're up for extensions like Derek White is this season. DeJounte Murray's extension will kick in next season. So 
you're in a very interesting spot where your younger players are actually starting to get a little bit older in this development cycle and they're a little bit further along in their rookie contracts and they're good enough that you might not be a terrible team but you might need a really high level draft pick to get to that next level all of their young players project to be very good players but they might want to just add one more very high level piece to the set of players they have now to reach that championship level and it's hard to see them being bad enough next season to get to that spot. They certainly won't be bad enough to get a very good draft pick if they keep both DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. So if they decide to rebuild, will they keep both of them or one of them or will they trade both of them? And in the case of DeMar, they might not even get the chance to trade him. He might just opt out and walk. DeMar DeRozan, I think, is the the most likely candidate of the two to leave in free agency if the Spurs decide to rebuild. DeMar is is at this age right now where he's probably going to be on his last chance to be on a, on a good contract and to be on a co- team that's competing for at least playoff spot, mid to high level playoff spot where he can be in a situation where they're winning. And if the Spurs decide to rebuild, it would make sense for him to want to walk away from that. A lot of the teams that are going to have cap space this summer aren't going to be teams that are going to be competing in the near future, which means that DeMar DeRozan's best option might be to do a sign-in trade with the Spurs where he re-signs with the Spurs to get immediately traded to another team. And this could work out well for the Spurs too if they're able to trade him to a team that maybe has some bad contracts they don't want, but a young player or some draft picks that are good assets that the Spurs could get in return. So the idea would maybe be a trade where they the Spurs send DeRozan to a team, they take back bad contracts, that last a couple of years, but that's not a huge deal because they're not projecting to be playoff teams for in the next couple of years. But in return, they get some young players or good draft picks that they can maybe turn into uh, more of their core going forward. I do think that keeping Aldridge does make some sense, though. Having that veteran presence around, having someone who can shoulder a lot of the scoring load, score in a different way than their young guys can, and also just have that leadership in the locker room. And, and I know that the young guys have displayed a lot of that leadership, but I think just having that player that has had a lot of NBA experience in the locker room would be a good idea to keep around. I think Trey Lyles has played well above expectations. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they decide to guarantee his contract, but he has played at a high level this season, and he has played a good role in the starting lineup, so it'll be interesting to see if they decide to bring him back. He's relatively young, so he might have a place in the future of the Spurs. Bellinelli will be a free agent this summer. And for Bellinelli personally, and I don't have any sort of deeper knowledge, but just knowing that they tried to trade him at the trade deadline, according to reports by Jabari Young, I would imagine that they're going to let Bellinelli walk in free agency this summer. Forbes is also a free agent, but I think that that might be a more difficult case to know. I really believe that Forbes volume shooting brings something to this team and really actually is a type of player that the that the young guys need around them. So it'll be interesting to see if they decide to bring Forbes back. Obviously, if a team makes a decent offer, the Spurs will probably let him walk. Pirtle will be a restricted free agent, and it'll be interested to see what teams offer him. I imagine that the teams with cap space, he is a young center, so that's maybe kind of interesting just because of his age, but I imagine that most of what he would get would be the the mid-level exception. The non-taxpayer mid-level exception is probably what I would imagine 
the high end of the offers for him to be. And if it's that, do the Spurs match it? I think obviously his age makes him a really good fit with some of their young core. So I think that at the mid-level exception, especially if it's not too, too terribly long of a contract, the Spurs would probably match that. So I would personally expect Pirtle to be on the team next year, and I think he makes sense with the rest of the team. Is Metu going to be back? Is Eubanks going to be back? Eubanks is a second-year player on a two-way contract, so he can't be on a two-way contract next season. Which means if the Spurs want to bring him back, he's either going to have to be on a full contract or he's just not going to be on the team. You know, the Spurs had drafted Lucas Samanich this past offseason, and he's a big man as well. So I already mentioned a bunch of big men. If they keep Aldridge, if they keep Lyles, if they keep Hurdle, where are the minutes for Samanich to even play next season? Where is the spot for Metu or Eubanks to even develop? So it becomes difficult. I, I do think that there's a good chance that Metu and Eubanks probably are signed with other teams that think that they're intriguing, that might want to see what they can develop into next season, especially if the Spurs do end up keeping Aldridge, Lyles, and Pirtle. There's just not a lot of minutes there for them to develop on the Spurs. I think that both of those players have intriguing potential, but other teams will probably be the teams that they get to work to try to develop that. Now, I do think that Keldon Johnson will get a good amount of playing time next season, especially if the Spurs do sign and trade DeMar. At that point, Lonnie Walker the fourth probably becomes a permanent starter, and if Bellinelli walks in free agency, now there's spot in that rotation, that forward rotation, for Keldon Johnson to come in and get some playing time. And I think that makes a lot of sense. If you look at how the Spurs have developed players recently, they have kind of, when they've drafted these players that they believe have good potential, they'll, they'll have them play in Austin for one season, and then they'll have them come back and start to get time in their second season and then get more and more time. And then by their third season, they're usually solid in the rotation. Now with the Spurs rebuilding, I can see that process being accelerated for someone like Keldon Johnson, where maybe he's already in the rotation pretty solidly at the start of next season. And then obviously, they'll have to start finding time to develop Samanich in their main roster rather than just in Austin. But with the big man rotation already looking pretty full for next season, if they do end up bringing back Aldridge, Lyles, and Pirtle, that might be difficult to find the spots for him to get a lot of playing time. So he might be a player who comes in and starts getting a more solid rotation in his third season. Those are the players that they have on their roster. Can they find any other players that maybe didn't have a great first contract with a team or maybe are kind of undervalued right now? Just taking on any sort of contract where they can make trades, where they can take on bad contracts from teams to get assets in return for shorter contracts, anything like that. That's the kind of thing that the Spurs really need to be looking at if they do decide to rebuild because they just need to gather as many assets as they can and and get as many young guys on this roster as they can because if, if one or two of them hit, then that's how you get right back into championship contention, which I'm assuming is the Spurs' ultimate goal. And just looking at the West, it can be kind of hard to see how they would make the playoffs next season and maybe for a season after. So to, to step back and to say, okay, if they miss the playoffs this season... They'll probably miss the playoffs for the next season or two. How do they use those next couple seasons to really rebuild into a high-level playoff team? And just looking at the West, you have the Lakers, who I'm sure will be strong next year. And all of it, obviously, all of this is assuming health. But the Lakers will probably be just as good next year. I mean, LeBron will be getting older, but 
I think with AD there and, and they have a full summer to maybe build around them, I think they'll still be a high-level team. The Denver Nuggets will still be a high-level team. Their young guys will just continue to get better. The Los Angeles Clippers should be strong next year, as well as the Houston Rockets. The Thunder might fall out of the playoff race, depending on what they do this summer, but the Jazz, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies will all still continue to be good because a lot of their talent is fairly young. The Trailblazers should be better next season. Nurkic has been out all season. He's a big part of what they do, and so obviously with him back in the rotation, they'll be a better team. The Pelicans will obviously get better and better as Zion gets better, and then the Timberwolves might be fighting more for that spot now that they have Russell with Towns. The Warriors are going to be better once they have their big three back. So the West is not going to get much less competitive. It's probably going to get more competitive. Like the Kings and the Suns, I mean, they're right behind the Spurs right now. And if they, they're mostly young teams. So if they continue to develop, they'll get better and better too. So if the Spurs are going to play at the level they are now, it's hard to see where they fit in the playoffs. And if they trade away one of their two main scorers or let DeRozan walk away in free agency, it's hard to see how they kind of fit into this playoff race without multiple injuries on teams and obviously you would never hope for that so it doesn't look like the Spurs would be in the playoff mix next season I think their main chance if they want to get into the playoffs is this season and if they miss it they really do have to step back and wonder okay where do we go from here and so I think that kind of encapsulates what the thinking will be their offseason moves will probably be to keep young players on the roster right now that they feel like might contribute to this team in the future to sign players who fit around them and to sign other players who might not have had great first contracts with teams, but that the Spurs believe maybe can develop in the right places to be contributing players on a high-level team and, and just maybe start to collect assets from teams in return for taking on bad contracts. I think that if they don't make the playoffs this season, they'll probably have to go into rebuilding mentality. So with Project Spurs, I'm Colin Reed. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.